Hey, I'm Michael, online pastor at Silverdale Baptist Church, and I'm excited to welcome you to our podcast. Now, after you listen to this episode, I hope you'll stick around for just a moment. I'll be sharing about some resources we have for you, as well as a few things going on at Silverdale right now that we would love for you to be a part of. Now, I really hope this podcast is just what you need today to help you in your relationship with Jesus. Hey, I'm Ricky Allison, Men's Ministry Associate. The following is one of our seven talks from the 2023 Forge Men's Retreat on 1 Timothy 6.11. But you, man of God, flee from these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. Enjoy this talk from our Apison Campus Pastor, Ben Shoning on gentleness. Before we press into this last attribute, though, I think it's important that we, we just look at the, the, some of the things that we see from the rest of this passage. So, so right away, what we can notice that Paul is expressing to, to, to Timothy, to the men of God here, is there is, a, there is kind of an emphatic tone, right? There's this aggressive, almost urgent tone that Paul has. Because look what it says in verse 12, right? The verse right after verse 11, it says, fight, fight the good fight of faith. Right away, it's this, it's this fight. Prepare yourself, ready yourself for a fight. It goes on to say, Paul has this, this, this greater urgency to write to Timothy and say, I charge you. He says in verse 13 that I charge you in the presence of God. This commandment, this order I'm giving you, as God as your witness, I'm giving you this, this charge to keep the commandment unstained. And then a few verses later in verse 17, he, he gives them another marching order. He reminds them, he reiterates to them this marching order. I'm charging you, I'm commanding you to, to not be haughty, not be arrogant, to, keep, to not keep our hopes and riches, but on God. And then finally in verse 20, almost in, in kind of this like exhausted effort to, to really remind um, these, these men of God, just how urgent what Paul is saying is. He says, oh, T- oh Timothy, in verse 20, oh, Timothy, guard the deposit entrusted to you. Oh, man of God, protect that which has been entrusted to you. And that speaks to, to us as, as, as the church that we, that we guard, but it also speaks to us as individuals to, to guard, to protect what's been entrusted to us. Okay, so good. We, we've we, we've seen that we're, we're somewhat being put in a posture or readying ourselves for some kind of offensive and defensive type of posture that we need to be in, right? We're good with the, we're good with kind of that aggressive stance. We're good with the fight, right? But, but we look at that final attribute in verse 11 that is instructed to us here that, that we're told to pursue, we're told to hold on to, to gentleness, right? To, to fight with gentleness, that, that seems a little bit ironic, right? If, if we're preparing ourselves, we're ready for a fight, we, we bow up, right? We square up. We put our dukes up. We don't necessarily ready ourselves for a fight with gentleness, right? Especially it's all the more ironic when I'm standing here with, with a bunch of men, right? When I pulled up to the parking lot this morning, all of your big trucks are out there. They, they, don't, they, don't, they don't scream out gentleness, right? When I'm out there with a bunch of Priuses. This is, this is hard for us to, to wrap our minds around because gentleness doesn't necessarily come natural to us. Listen, we're, we're wired to, to confront. We're wired for aggression. Our, our natural hormonal disposition puts us in that place of confrontation. We're good with that. The, the gentleness, though, n- not so much. 
But let's consider just for a moment, just for a moment, the general outcome of our anger, of our aggression, right? So, so picture, I'm, I hope I'm not the only one. I hope I, hope I at least get one, one guy that can say an amen to this, right? You're, you're, you're in your car. The two lanes that you're in is about to merge to one. And right at the last minute, this car just cuts right in front of you only to go like seven miles under the speed limit, right? And for several miles, there's nothing you can do. Right, you're honking your horn, you're flashing your lights, you're you're waving at them, just not using all your fingers, and and finally you get to a place where you can pull up alongside this car, right? And and whether you say anything or not, you're going to let this person know just how you feel about them, right? There's going to be an aggressive look that you give him. You're going to make sure he knows how frustrated, how annoyed you are, right? Amen. Anyone else there? Now, how do, how do we feel about ourselves in that moment? Don't we just feel great about ourselves? I mean, don't we just feel like we've, we've done some big boy stuff? Like we've acted real mature. We're, 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 we're especially, they should be especially grateful for the valuable like training and education that we gave to someone who knows far less about driving than we do, right? You know, of, of course we don't feel like this, right? We're still angry. In fact, we're probably even more angry. We probably feel a little bit ashamed, a little bit embarrassed, especially if our kids are in the car, which I've never done. Uh, right, and, and we've only become more angry. We've only added fuel to the fire. That was, which was supposed to like be an outlet has only caused more anger. And yet what's interesting in Proverbs chapter 15, verse one, it says a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Gentleness, gentleness is the key here. Now, now we're not talking about weakness. We're not talking about passivity. We're not talking about agreeability, which John Maxwell talks about being, being kind of a detrimental attribute when it comes to leadership. But we're talking about gentleness. We're talking about Christ-likeness, actually a strength of character. Jesus says this about himself in Matthew 11. Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Jesus calls himself gentle. You know, one way, one way that, that comes to my mind that I saw this demonstrated that was so evident many years ago Worked for a company, it was called McGuire's, car washes, car waxes. And so we, we had set up for a show that day. It was hot. We were, we were tired. We, we skipped lunch. So we were kind of having a really late lunch and early dinner. There's five of us. And so we sat down. We order our food after, after a few minutes of being there. And, and uh, after several minutes, our, our waitress comes up to one of the guys. His name was Donnie. Donnie and his wife, Kathy, were our, were our truck drivers. And, um, and they told Donnie, you know, I'm sorry, we're out of whatever he had ordered. And so, he, you know, no big deal. He, he placed his order, got something different. So several minutes later, all of our food came, except for Donnie's, but she assured him it's, it's on its way. It'll be here momentarily. So we, we waited. You know, you don't want to be rude. There is a woman present, so we have to be all, even all the more polite. Um, and so we waited for, for Donnie's food. And so a couple minutes later, a plate comes out, and they set it down, but it was the wrong, it was the wrong meal. So the waitress felt horrible. She apologized. She, she took it back, and he insisted that we go ahead and eat. And so we started eating. About halfway through our meals, his food comes. Problem is, not only was it wrong this time, again, there was like this little puddle of water on the bottom of his plate. So now his food was all soggy. So the waitress, was, she was mortified. She felt awful. She's apologizing. Um, she takes the food back. And, and by the time his plate finally comes, we're all done eating. And you can just see when the, when the, when the waitress puts it down, she, she's, she's ready for it. Like she knows what's coming. She, she's apologizing. She, she's on the verge of tears. But before she can even finish the sentence telling Donnie that, that his meal is going to be complimentary, it's not going to be, Donnie looked at her and he said, honey, if this is the worst thing that happens to me today, it's a pretty good day. Amen. Right? 
That, that gentle response changed her. It changed her, right? That, that's not at all what she's experienced, certainly not what she was expecting. That gentle response changed her. Now, I know that Donnie was able to do this. He was able to, 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 to speak in such a gentle way because Donnie has the person of Jesus Christ living in him. It doesn't come natural to him, right? It's almost like what Pastor Randy was talking to us about earlier this morning, that godliness will look different. It will, it will cause us to be set apart. And so when we, when we are responding with gentleness, when we're readying ourselves with gentleness, when we're pursuing gentleness, whether we know it or not, we're readying ourselves, we're preparing ourselves for what Paul is talking about. But, but the key is knowing that we're readying ourselves, knowing that we're preparing ourselves and knowing what we're preparing ourselves for. It's guarding our hearts. It's guarding our, our families even. And, and, and let me just say this kind of as, as, as we wrap this up and as we really consider what this can look like in our life. Many years ago, it was about five years ago, our, our, our three sons, um, they were all getting ready to go to school. So they were about to head out the door, getting on the school bus. So I, I stopped to pray with them that morning like I always do. And, and um, a, a common way that I pray almost, almost every day for my kids is I will pray, God, I pray that they would know that you are with them that you go before them and that you are for them. They, they know that you are for them. And sometimes I will pray, God, I pray that they would know that you are with them, that you go before them, that you are for them. Sometimes I will say, Jesus, I pray that they would know that you are with them, that you go before them and that you are for them. And sometimes I will pray, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would go with them, you go before them, and they would know that you're with them. And, and that's my effort and way to help teach them the Trinity. But on this particular day, I, I prayed, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, go before my kids. I pray that they would know that you're with them. I pray that they would know that you go before them. I pray that you would know that they were for them. And in a way, in a way that, that I want them to understand the Holy Spirit's presence goes before them and is with them so that they feel protected and that they are protected, that they're guarded. I want them to, to, to feel emboldened and, and empowered to speak truth if they need to speak truth. I also want them to feel convicted, right? If they're about to do something that they shouldn't do, that they would sense the Holy Spirit's presence with them. But it dawned on me after I, after I prayed for them and they were walking out the door, it dawned on me that I'm praying that they would sense and know the Holy Spirit's presence. And the Holy Spirit lives in me. So a primary way that my kids will likely experience the presence of the Holy Spirit is through me. And it caused me to do kind of a quick, a quick mental check of am I ushering in, when I walk into to my house in the, the end of the day, is my presence ushering in the person of the Holy Spirit, right? What, what, what is it that my kids sense when, when I walk into the room? And, and as I was kind of doing the, these inventories, I, 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 felt, I felt, I don't know, halfway confident that on, on many days, my, my kids would, would hopefully feel joy when I walk in, right? It's certainly at that age, they're, they're still young enough to not know any better, and so they would run up and give me a hug, and they seemed happy, um, and, and so I, I, I felt okay about that, but, but here was the problem, and here, and here was where it was really convicting and, and really hard for me, where I really had to sit kind of in my mess for a little bit, because I thought about what does my presence usher into my wife? When I walk into my house at the end of the day, does, does my presence usher in the person of the Holy Spirit, or does it usher in something else? And I'm afraid that... that more often than not, and certainly in, in other seasons, my presence ushers in a spirit of criticism, a spirit of negativity, a spirit of anxiety, a spirit of stress, a spirit of worry, 
And that's what my wife experiences oftentimes in my presence. But I don't want her to have that. I want her to experience the presence of the Holy Spirit. And, and a primary way that my wife will experience the presence of the Holy Spirit is through my gentleness. And, and listen, the, the rest of the passage tells me to guard the deposits that's been entrusted to me. There's nothing more valuable, there's nothing more treasured that's been entrusted to me than my wife and my kids. Primary. That, that's first. Right? We need to be the church to everyone, but if I'm not the church to my family first, I'm missing it. And, and when we know, not just by happenstance, that the, the key here isn't just to be gentle for gentleness' sake. The key here is to pursue gentleness so that, that our wives, that our kids, that our colleagues, that, that, that our, our workplaces would be protected by the presence and the person of the Holy Spirit. Not only are we readying ourselves, we are protecting our family. We are readying our family for, for what's to come. And so, and so, man, I want to challenge us to pursue gentleness, not for the sake of having a harmonious, conflict-free home. That's not the purpose. But for the purpose of your wife and your kids falling more in love with the person of Jesus, because there is no one more gentle, no one more kind, no one more gracious, no one more loving than the person of Jesus Christ. It's what we just sung about. And so right now, as we, as we consider, why is it that gentleness is so hard for us? And, and how can we fight even with gentleness? I want us to, to, to really pray and ask God to, to give us some practical ways that we can pursue this, that we can walk in gentleness. Let's do that now together. Well, I hope this was helpful to you. If while listening, you realized you need to take the next step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to help you with that. You can connect with us by clicking the link in the show notes to our website and then clicking the connect card button. In our weekend worship services, we are in a sermon series called The Seven Commands of Christ. Jesus gave dozens of commands and as followers of Jesus, we should obey all of them. Over the next several weeks, we are focusing on seven that will change your life. We would love for you to join each week at one of our campuses or you can attend online. You will find service times by clicking the link in the show notes to our website. You know, there's so many ways for you to get involved and be a part of what God is doing here at Silverdale. And we really want you to feel welcome and a part. So please stay connected. Be sure to like and follow us on the different social media accounts. You'll find all the links in the show notes of this episode. And lastly, help us spread the word about this podcast. Take a moment to share this episode with your family and friends. Again, we appreciate you listening and hope you will join us again next time.